From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back to The Dairy Show, everyone. I am your host, Katie Schmidt. And joining us for this week's episode is Mike Duckett of Duckett Holsteins. So welcome to the podcast, Mike. Oh, hey there. It's a pleasure to be here. So first things first, Mike, I'm going to have you introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about your connection to the dairy industry. Well, Mike Duckett grew up in North Carolina, more in a more in a commercial uh, type farm and uh, started helping some people at shows and uh, kind of got the bug. And I guess 22, 23 years ago, uh, Julie and I met in Louisville at a cow show and it's uh, that convinced me to move to Wisconsin, and and uh, we've been doing this ever since. Was Julie originally from Wisconsin, or why did you land up in? Do we consider it the north central part of Wisconsin or central Wisconsin? Yeah, she's she was from uh, Wisconsin. Her uh, Julie's mom come from a, a dairy farm, and uh, and Julie. Uh, did the show heifers and uh, actually the year I met Julie she had junior champion at the Royal Winter Fair. Tell us a little bit about the farm at home what does that look like who's involved? Well so we have two farms um, the home farm where we live uh, it's a 60 cow tie stall with uh, 10 box stalls Um, that's where the show cows live Um, that's that's where Duck at Holstein's is and then the other farm is about five miles away, and that's Genetic Futures. That's uh, a recipient business that we started about 11 years ago. And uh, we, on a normal week, we we collect anywhere between 50 and 70 donors every every other week, I should say. Wow. So what was the start or the reason for starting Genetic Futures? So Julie and I, before we started building here at the home farm, we uh, spent one year in Maryland uh, working for Tom McCuro at uh, his place. And um, one day we took a little trip down to Virginia with some friends and uh, we ended up seeing uh, Frosty and we bought her and and she had some uh, reproductive problems. Uh, she had one ovary that was had some scarring on it, and we ended up, uh, after she was reserved grand at Madison, uh, every two weeks we would load her and take her to Transova. We finally convinced them that uh, it would be better for them to drive out here than us take her out there every two weeks, so that's when we become a satellite center. Were you guys one of the first satellite centers that Transova would have started, or where did you fall in the the move towards that kind of model for those embryo collection uh, businesses? So they started two or three of those pretty much at the same time because the the need for them out here was was a lot. And just uh, uh, with us uh, having, at that time, we had a lot of uh, donors that we were boarding for other people and uh, with our own cattle and stuff. Uh, but like, I know seamers started about the same time. And so we would have been a couple of the first ones out this way. Of the 50 to 70 animals that you're collecting on every other week or every two weeks, 
how many of those are yours versus are you boarding animals as well out there? So one of our largest customers is Select Sires. Um, we've had a really good relationship with Select Sires and over the years. And I would say probably out of 70, uh, 60 of them would be theirs. So is Genetic Futures close to Duckett Holsteins, like the home farm that the, the show cows that live at Duckett Holsteins are still being you know, collected at Genetic Futures? Or does it, how does that relationship work? So um, Genetic Futures is probably seven miles, six, seven miles from our home farm. Uh, so we do have to haul the donors from our farm over to Genetic Futures. In the ideal world, we wouldn't have to do that. You know, it was a farm that came available and we bought it. It's not that far, but uh, it's it's still, I wish it was right here closer. But um, anyway. Okay, so let's talk about duck at Holsteins. And you mentioned Frosty already, but who are some of the cows that are, are living in that barn today? Well, today we have obviously Footloose, a uh, cow that's uh, gained a lot of... Uh, attention the last couple of years uh she came to us from oakville corners and we own her with um our good friends uh tim and sharon abbott and vieras um, from california black velvet's a cow we bought um a couple of years ago at uh at madison and um and then last year actually uh we sold half of her to vieras and triple t and then uh, probably the most famous cow we've got right now is um, Doc 8784, a cow that uh, set a few records when we had our sale in June. And uh, actually, she's uh, quite unique. Uh, she's She's got some daughters and sons that are over 3,000 GTPI, and then she stood uh, third in uh, the four-year-old class at Madison. So we're uh, quite happy with that cow. Yeah, it's crazy to think that, you know, we just talked about Footloose and she's a supreme champion and Black Velvet is a, a bred known champion in her own right. But the most famous cow that you have arguably is the Doc, as you all call her. So let's talk about actually the sale and selling that cow or, or selling a part of her. How did that happen? Why were you willing to part with that cow had that been the end game? Well, so ever since... Um... Doc kind of surfaced uh, here, and uh, some of her offspring started getting genomics. I'd had quite a few very serious people uh, asking to buy her, and we had such a great sale in 2021, and uh, actually, we were at Nashville last fall, and us, and uh, we were talking about having another sale, and we were just, we wanted it to be exciting, and um and there's no better way than to sell the best cow you got. So we did stay in on the cow, and uh, and we we gained some great partners. We, uh, Tim and Sharon Abbott, King's Ransom, AOT. You couldn't ask for a better partnership. So we're we're happy we did it, and uh, and we're uh, looking forward to what what's going to come of this. Yeah, I'm excited to see what her future holds as well. That that four-year-old class that she stood in, that was a, an incredible class of Holstein cows. And uh, so let's, let's talk about Footloose too, because obviously Supreme Champion, and we mentioned Frosty earlier, and we all know that she's a former two-time Supreme Champion of World Dairy Expo. But the really fun connection, I think, between those two is actually that Frosty is Footloose's granddam. 
and that you have exhibited both of these cows to those titles. So what I'm curious to know, Mike, is how do those experiences compare to each other? Well, obviously, uh, when Frosty came to us and um, she was kind of the cow that put us on the map, um, per se, it was kind of uh, our first big time cow that that uh, done really, really well. That was a lot of fun, but uh, this time uh, with Footloose, the cool part with her being the granddaughter and the way she went through our sale and and the probably the most the the most special part about it, the her being supreme this year was we were able to have our two kids with us and uh, they had a blast. So it, that was that was good. And then uh, and when, like I said, we got we got really good partners here with the uh, Abbots and Vieras and and uh, just uh, we really enjoyed it this year. And and it means a lot to us having our kids there. How old are your kids, Mike? They're three and seven, soon to be four and eight. So uh, they're young, but they're certainly uh, fully invested. Uh, they fight over who gets to help feed them and all that good stuff. They're pretty young to say they're going to be as as into it as we are, but uh, I think there's a good chance. If we think back on those cows, Mike, so Footloose and Frosty and their genetic relationship to each other, how did those two cows compare or contrast from each other? Well, actually, the two cows are very, very similar in their in their makeup. The only thing I give Footloose uh, a big advantage from from the rear view with her rear udder and uh, the venation all over her rear udder. It's uh, it's quite special. But uh, Frosty in her in her day, she might have been modern before her time. She was the extreme dairy cow. I don't know if you'll ever see a cow with the, the openness through her rib and but Footloose is um she's got that same make, but I give her the advantage. She's she's got a, a nicer rear view, as I say, is just her rear udders crazy. And it, as easy as it is to focus on, you know, a couple of these really, really special cows, I think what's really impressive about what you and Julie are doing and the success you've had at World Dairy Expo specifically is also this acquisition or, or winning of premier exhibitor banners. And I think that really speaks to the program that you all have happening at home. So what does that part of Duckett Holsteins look like? How, what does the care look like for those kind of cows? So we're very fortunate. We've got some people and have had some very talented people work for us. At the moment, we have Chelsea Carl. She's a hundred percent into doing what the same stuff we love. So it, it's you know she spends a lot of time here. We've had uh, we have another employee here that's been here ten years, and I think um, that everyday routine care that they get is so important. Cows are creatures of habit and. Nothing varies at this farm, no matter what. It doesn't matter who's off, and it doesn't matter if it's Monday or Sunday or what day, what football game's going on. It, it's it's a hundred percent done the same way every day, and and it's. I mean, I know people say it, but it, it's a hundred percent true. Next year's Madison started the day after Madison, and and that's that's the way we look at it, and 
those cows that the, their care is so consistent. So uh, that's, and Julie and I are very fortunate because I mean, we do, we go to baseball games, we go to football games now, and we've got a great crew here that uh, does it just the way we want it done. And that's very important. When you look at the consistency model and that being such a top priority for you guys, how do you go about making adjustments in a program like that then? So obviously every cow is different. When we get closer to Madison, you know, our, we, we all kind of get together and decide, hey, is that cow need to be a little thinner or does she, you know, need to be milking harder? And we make adjustments accordingly whether they need to be on oxytocin or do they need to stay on corn silage or, or whatever, but they're all so different. And, you know, cows have changed over the last 10 years. And I think for the better, there's such dairy cows anymore. And we, we used to never carry corn silage with us or anything like that. And now it's like, you almost got to make sure you do have that because there's such dairy cows that if you, and and we do want them to stay consistent to what they are at home. So, um, you know, we've had to adjust some things, uh, you know, from what we used to do in the past. But uh, we all try to do that as a group and, and everybody, you know, like no, no better person to you know voice their opinion than the people that look after them every day. If you could give advice to somebody who wants to start up in this show space or is just really kind of getting their feet wet in all of it and they've got a special cow what is the the number one thing to focus on in getting her ready for a show well i think you know, the biggest things are uh, ask the right people questions and don't be afraid to ask people um i think just that being consistently you know, go into it with your eyes wide open and, and choose uh, and be hard on, on your animal. Like, don't be uh, barn blind by saying, oh, she's, uh, I don't have to change nothing. And and that's, I think, one of the biggest things is just uh, be consistent with how you take care of them at home. And, and it's not, it's not as hard as some people make it out to be. It, it's it all comes down to the care of the cow and if you and if you have the right cow and the thing of it is now like, like you said is the four-year-old class at world expo you can go there with a great cow and still stand 10th or 15th and and you just you keep doing it and you'll improve because uh you know like there was years that we never even got a ribbon and it's it's biggest thing is don't give up and, and keep keep coming back and trying harder next year. Yeah, absolutely. That's I like that advice. That's good. Let's think about the breeding philosophy then, because obviously the care is a huge component of, of making good show cows, but the genetics of a show cow is the starting point, really. And like I mentioned, Black Velvet, bred and known champion of this year. There's an adorable picture of you walking out of the show ring with the kid, the kiddos, and it's one of my favorites from this year's show. But let's talk about the breeding program. So what are the goals and the traits that you and Julie are really focusing on with the cows? So I'll be honest, like, so Doc is, um, she's kind of what we're shooting for. Um, as much as we love to go to Expo and 
breed a cow that can win or or go and compete at a high level. I think, I mean, we we talk about balance in cows, but and I I understand it's a little different kind of balance, but balance to me is a cow that can do it all, a cow that can make an impact and make a son that all the breeders use, a cow that can go to the show and and do well, and also just be a good cow every day and that's that's kind of what we want and that's why we are so high on doc is she's that cow like the you know most cows are on oxytocin well doc she's she's not been on oxytocin ever and like uh she's always uh she never has a bad day she's always uh that cow that and and at the end of the day she's she's valuable because she genetically she she does things that a lot of cows don't and yeah she's she's great at transmitting right yeah and so that's that's what we're looking for and you know like frosty for instance like she ended up having four or five 94 point daughters she had a 95 point clone and then obviously with footloose uh being their granddaughter that she bred like her they got to be able to transmit their genetics, and that that means a lot to us. So, are you using genomics at all in the breeding at home, Mike? We do, and actually, I feel genomics are very accurate when you look at how some cows. After you get, I mean, it's as simple as looking at some cows if they're high percent fat, and you look at them, and and sure enough, they're they're the highest percent fat cows on your test sheet. I think some people use it maybe different than us, and that's not saying they're right or wrong. We do it more like, for instance, Doc, uh, I mean, it's the market she's gave us and marketing high genomic cattle, whether it be type or net merit or whatever, everybody's got their game, right? And so we don't want to be just one-dimensional. We we want to we want to spread things around and we go for pulled and we go for type and and we do have uh i mean she's got a a son that's over three thousand that uh you know that we want to go down that avenue too so i think there's there's good in genomics for sure so the other thing mike that i I keep seeing your name float across my social media across my my daily newsletters that I get from the industry as a judge for some really big major shows recently in the Jug down at Louisville and the Holstein show up in Canada at the Royal. How are those types of judging appointments influencing what you do at home, whether it's through the care or the breeding program? Well, first of all, I, I absolutely love to judge because when you're out there and you see so many heifers and cows and and you start seeing some things that maybe we all need to improve on and i'll just use uh feet and legs or something in the heifers that i think and and when i'm a judge i i tr- i'm probably a little harder on feet and legs than some because i see there's a it, it's getting really tough to find heifers that have great feet and legs and so when I start focusing on that more at home because you see it out in the ring and 
you know, high pins and narrow chest. I mean, some of these are my pet peeves. Like I, I just, once I see that I come home and I say, all right, well, we got to get away from that bull or, you know, do certain things. But I, I think judging shows is a good way of uh, seeing, you know, how certain bulls work and watching from the outside is one thing, but when you're out in the middle, it's uh, it's the best view you can see. So like it's it's really uh, for me, I, I like doing it. I think it really does help you as a breeder. What do you think we were focusing on as a as a breeder and or industry? And obviously, you're a little more involved with the Holstein side of things, Mike. But you know, what were we focusing on so much that you feel like we've lost track of the feet and legs and the the narrowness of rumps and, and the narrowness of chest that you mentioned? Well, I'm a hundred percent on board that like cows udders are a huge part, right? Like that's the, that's the main thing. But I think when you concentrate so much, cause we've made huge improvements in udder traits. And I think when, when you, uh, get away from, you know, paying attention to the other traits, sometimes you, you end up with a cow that might just have a great udder. Or, and I think maybe we keep switching our focus a little bit. I think we need to start looking at the whole cow a little bit more and, um, and try to correct a few of these other problems too. How do you think we go about doing that? Like, is it a role that the, the show industry or, or shows like Expo play, or is it a, a genetics company? Is it breeder meetings? Like, how do we go about changing a breeding philosophy or changing a breed? I think uh, the AI guys are very aware of it, and I and I see some of their selections, and and you know, like um, I, I got a, a result back on a bull the other day, and the, his uh, his comment back to me was, uh, "Oh, he's six hundred of milk, and his pin pins are in the right spot, and percent fat's good, and and DPR." Well, you know, I think they're starting to they're taking note like uh these these guys that are doing a lot of that uh they're they're paying attention so i think it's it's just uh and sometimes you just get a phase of bulls that do certain things and that might be what we're kind of in right now you know we'll we'll get it corrected who are some of the bulls that you're using right now that you're excited about daughters hitting the ground soon so we we've used a lot of uh lambda i kind of missed the first batch of lambdas cuz i I just uh, wasn't real sure, and I'm kind of regretting that a little bit because after being at the show at the Royal, one heifer after the next, like, and they're the right kind of heifers. They're uh, square frame, nice rib, nice rumps, uh, feet and legs are great. It's a bull that I kind of missed, so I'm playing catch up in that. Um, I'm using a lot of Lambda. We're using a lot of uh, Doc's first son uh, has it all, and he's he's a bull that's kind of unique. He's high type, but he's high production too, and uh, and just like two and a half points of stature. Not, not, I think that's one thing is we've gotten a little carried away with too too tall, and um, I don't want short cows, but I don't want uh, extremely tall either. So. Tattoos, a bull that we bred that I'm using uh, fairly heavily. Uh, 
you know, there's some young bulls. Uh, alley, well, he's not young, but alligator's a bull I'm using a fair bit. Hanako, uh, Luster Peas, probably one of my favorite bulls because he brings a, you know, the pulled part in, and uh, that's just uh, you get a pulled heifer that's nice. It it adds some value. So yeah, so that's kind of the bulls we're using right now. Do you think we're ever gonna hit a point where we have a bull that has the massive impact? And I'm thinking recently, like a gold win, but you know, there's more historical ones like elevation. People have mentioned obviously as being one of those most impactful bulls. Are we? Do you think we're ever gonna see a, a bull or genetic base like that flood the industry again? I, that's kind of a hard question, but. Um... You know, like we, you know, we just come home from the Royal and, and it was very obvious, uh, in the show is Lambda, Alligator, Unix. And those three bulls, um, you know, Unix is a bull that, uh, is pretty consistently making the right kind of cattle that, um, that work in a lot of different facilities and, and it's not just show cows. So, I'm not going to say bulls like that won't have just as much impact um, as as a bull like Goldwyn. I'll be honest, like for myself, I bought more good Goldwins than I ever bred. And that seems to be a case in a lot of bulls. Uh, you know, we've we've used bulls that that didn't work very well for us. And then the neighbor, he, he was he never missed. So. It's just weird how, it, and if it was easy, we I guess it'd be, all our cows would be perfect. So I guess that's uh, the way I look at it. Okay, Mike. So I've got one last question for you as we kind of wrap this all up and I'm going to go back to Expo. Again, you've had some really incredible and iconic moments that you've got to be a part of at Expo, but do you have a favorite memory of your years um, exhibiting there? I'm going to say it was probably this year when they named Footloose champion. It was pretty special having our kids there. Our kids and Tim and Sharon and, and, um, and Vieira's all like, we're, we're far apart, but when we're, we're pretty close when, when it comes to like Tim and Sharon, I are, they're old. They're one of their daughters and our daughter, you know, Chloe tells us, uh, that's my best friend, you know, and, and it's, it's, um, it's pretty cool to have partners that they're, they're more like family. And then just the whole Footloose has kind of been, uh, frosty resurfacing again. And that, that's probably our coolest year this year is probably the, the one that I think means the most to us. Well, it was a lot of fun to watch it all play out. So I'm glad that you guys had a wonderful expo. And Mike, I have to say thank you for taking time to record this podcast with us and and share some insight with our listeners. No problem. Enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. 
And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at WDE at WDEXPO.com. We would love to hear from you. 